You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. Can I just mention again, I have to say, when I was a college student, I used to sit in this, uh, it was a while ago, I used to sit in these pews and be led in worship by Ray and Tim. And it is so fun and such a privilege to get to lead worship with you. So thank you. I thought, okay, whose bright idea was it to put me in the pulpit? (laughs) Partly, too, because, you know, the text today is on worry, it's on anxiety. And George preached last week in this sermon series we're having on the Sermon on the Mount about secrets. And uh, one of my secrets, but it's well known to everyone around me, is um, I think I'm a pretty calm person. And um, I'm beginning to learn from others that what it really is, is my baseline of anxiety that I'm used to is so high. That I don't even notice it until I'm around people who genuinely don't worry. And then I think to myself, are you kidding me? Do you know how much could go wrong with this? (laughs) So we have a text today that's important. It's on worry and anxiety. Let's start by reading it together. It's from Matthew 6, 25 to 34. If you'd please stand, we'll read it from our Pew Bibles together. It's on page 787. It starts at the very bottom right corner. Matthew 6:25 and we will read through 34. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, please add to the hearing of this word our readiness of heart and mind to listen and respond. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So the anxiety, the worry in this passage is pretty specific. It's about money. So I not only am preaching about anxiety, I'm preaching about money on Mother's Day. And it starts with hoarding. 
It actually starts before the passage that we started reading. We're working our way through Jesus' most famous sermon, kind of his top ten little parables and stories in the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount. And there's a very extended section on money. It begins with the famous part of Jesus saying, don't put your treasures in places that won't last, where the moths can get in, where, where, where things are destroyed, where you can lose it all. Um, put your treasure in eternal things, because where your treasure is, your heart will be. So he, he begins by talking about hoarding and treasure. He goes on from that to talk about, about coveting, really, about how if, if the eye is healthy, your whole body's full of light. If your eye is dark, then your whole body is darkness. And what he's talking about is that you spend all your time looking at what you don't have, what others do have, um, and, uh, and, and, and you'll just, life is dark. But a generosity of vision leads to a generosity of life, a light life. Am I doing something wrong with my mic, Jeff, that I'm getting that sound? Thank you. And then finally, um, he talks about having two masters. How we can't serve both God and material possessions or money. And then he says, therefore, do not worry. So the part we're getting to with anxiety or or worry, thank you, Jeff. Speaking of worrying, see how much there is to worry about? (laughs) (laughs) The part that we get to... For worry and anxiety is the sum of these three things. It has to do with where we put our attention, our best. It has to do with where we direct our heart, our vision, our loyalty. See, anxiety, as Jesus describes it, I think of as a sort of spiritual attention deficit disorder. It's putting our attention and and our energy every place except where it matters most. There's a fellow called Kevin Kelly. I don't know if you've heard of him. He was the uh, executive editor of Wired magazine. And I was reading an article that he wrote on the new rules for the economy. And, and, he, and he says this, wherever attention flows, money will follow. In this world, we simply cannot deal with all good things. There are more good songs than we can ever listen to. There are more good movies than we can ever see in our lifetime, even if it was our full-time vocation. There are more useful tools than we have time to master. There are more cool websites than we have attention to spare. Forget about all the junk, all the mass-produced hits, all the critically acclaimed creations that mean nothing to you personally. Focus instead on just the things that would rock your boat, and there are still too many of them. There are, in fact, more great bands and books and gizmos aimed right at you customized to your unique desires than you can absorb. Which is why anything that lasts has to also maintain our attention. And when it wins our attention, money will follow. Money is one way we acknowledge our attention. We want something, an intense form of attention. And we use money to fulfill this attention recommending it to others, using a product or service. So getting a quick blitz of attention, that's a no-brainer. The challenge is maintaining a flow of attention. And here's a sentence that caught my eye. Maintaining a flow of attention in an environment where you are surrounded by millions of similar things that are good and useful. He finishes by saying, have faith. 
Where attention flows, money follows. End of quote. The challenge is maintaining a flow of attention in an environment where you are surrounded by millions of similar things that are good and useful. Maintaining that, that flow of attention, that seeking after, that striving after. He has it right. This is the opposite of anxiety. It's what Jesus talks about. It's where this whole passage on money is going. Do you remember the final verses? Strive first for the kingdom of God. Maintain the flow of attention, first of all, on the kingdom of God. It's a classic passage. It's one of my favorites. And to, to maintain that, that flow of attention on the kingdom of God is to live with this undivided heart that Jesus is talking about in the first verses of this section of the Sermon on the Mount. It's to live with that undivided vision on those things that God regards as important, the vision of the kingdom of God. It's to live with an undivided, undistracted loyalty to God and what God calls us to do, to the God whom we see fully revealed in Jesus Christ. Now, there are so many parables and so many stories that Jesus tells to describe what it means to strive after, to maintain undivided attention to this kingdom of God. And there's some of my favorites. I would love to preach on them. There, there's a story. Do you remember the one where a woman had a gold coin? I had some friends who were showing us a gold coin. I think it's worth like 1300 bucks. And they have a toddler who's not quite two that was playing with it. Made, made, made us a little nervous. And um, the way that Jesus tells the story is, is that toddler loses the coin. And those friends of mine turn the house upside down looking for it. And once they actually find it, they phone all of us in the small group to say, we found it. We've got our coin. That, Jesus says, is what it means to strive after the kingdom of God. It's worth all your attention. And when you find it, you celebrate. You tell all your friends. You let them know. You found it. Do you remember the story he tells about the pearl of great price that a man saw it and he went and sold everything that he had to come back and, and, and to purchase it? That, Jesus says, is what it means to dedicate all your attention to those things that God calls valuable and worthwhile. Or you remember the story about the wedding feast, right? Where everyone gets invited and then some people are too distracted. They have this spiritual attention deficit disorder. There's good and useful things that are holding their attention somewhere else. So Jesus says, go out to the people no one pays attention to. Invite them in. Bring them in here. Find them. Fill this place. This is what it means to seek after the kingdom of God. Those are great parables. I'd love to preach on those parables. Those aren't the parables I have today. The parable I have today is about weeds and, well, not weeds, wildflowers and birds. And if I'm honest, I think it's one of the most anemic parables that Jesus tells. <laughs> so, and, and I'm not being disrespectful. I hope I'm not being disrespectful. I, I adore Jesus' words. I've dedicated my life to studying them. But I have ha always had the hardest time wrapping my head around this particular parable. Because things like what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear... And, and where we're going to live, particularly in a culture that had a massive disparity between the wealthy and the poor, where Jesus was preaching, these are very real things. So how can this apply to us when we have bills and genuine concerns to look at and to consider the birds and the wildflowers? How, how, how does this help us when, when we are upside down on our mortgage? How does this help us when we, we don't have the budget each month to feed and clothe our children? 
How does this help us when we are outliving our limited income? How does this help us when we're not sure we'll be able to finish our education because we don't have the money? How does this help us when the medical bills are piling up? How does this help us? There was one biblical scholar who made a great comment. He said, um, this certain particular parable is, it, quote, not filled to overflowing with level-headed common sense, end of quote. Well, here's a tip. When you're feeling like me, that, um, that this particular parable sort of feels like hippie dropout Jesus and you're a middle class and don't know what to do with it, look for contrasts. Look for the contrasts in Jesus' stories and when he teaches. Because he makes one here. Did you catch it a little further down? He contrasted those who strive after the kingdom of God, those who do not worry, who are not distracted. He contrasted those with the Gentiles. Now, Gentiles is a code word for people who don't know God. And the way he described the Gentiles were those who hoard for a sense of security. The way he described the Gentiles were those who find themselves moving from anxiety to anxiety about what they don't have. And then once they get it, anxiety about keeping what they do have. He described the Gentiles as those who see with a dark eye, those who see the world in terms of threat and limited resources. He described people who don't know God as those whose best time and attention and devotion goes to making and keeping and stockpiling wealth until it owns them. He says, don't look to them to learn how to handle your possessions. So what do people who know God pay attention to? Well, he says to us, pay attention to the birds and the wildflowers. Learn from them. Andy Sicoccio tells a great story. It's a story about these two brothers who are walking in Central Park in New York. And one brother is from Manhattan and one brother is from upstate New York. And the upstate New York brother, upstate, says, wow, listen to those birds. Those sound fantastic. And Manhattan says, I don't hear any birds. So Upstate takes a, a pocket full of change from his pocket and he throws it on the sidewalk and everyone in Central Park turns around and listens and looks. And Upstate says to Manhattan, we listen for what we value. We listen for what we value. The whole point of the parable, Jesus says, is that you look for what you value. And the fact is you don't really value birds and wildflowers all that much. A little while ago, we sang and listened to that beautiful anthem the choir was singing, and there was a picture of, of foliage on the screen. And you might have wondered, why am I looking at foliage during this beautiful anthem? It's inconsequential. It's not of the highest value and worth in worship. This is the whole point of the parable. The grass is going in the fire, and it's gone, Jesus says. But if God will pay so much attention to something so inconsequential, where did you get the idea that God would not pay that kind of attention to you, who are of great and immeasurable consequence and worth? See, the point of this parable about the birds and the wildflowers isn't that we're supposed to be like birds and wildflowers. It's that we're meant to pay attention to how well and wonderfully God provides for them and how much more 
would God provide for you? Choosing to worry, choosing this spiritual attention deficit disorder is to be distracted by these millions of similar things that are good and useful and misses the one thing that will last, and that is God's care of you. God pays attention to you, Jesus says. God has given God's full attention to you and me. Look around you. This is a God who's paying attention. And how do you know, Jesus says? Well, don't just look around at creation, because there's a great deal that's broken there. This whole sermon series, we've been looking first at who is telling the sermon, and then how we live it. And the one who is telling the sermon is Jesus, God's only son, the full reflection of God. That God has given and is giving the world his full attention in Jesus Christ. Everything in Jesus Christ. Look to Jesus who's telling this, who has paid every single debt we owe in order to give us the riches and the fullness and the glory of God's grace and life. And if God would give all of that, won't God also look after you? So we find out this isn't some hippie dropout, Jesus. This is Jesus who is God's full attention to everything that we need in physical form. This is a father who knows everything we need in physical form and is seeking our good and seeking our care. So if that is who we are paying attention to, how does Jesus say we go about that? Well, Jesus teaches in in three ways, I think, in no uncertain terms, how we go about this. The first thing that he teaches us is to focus our attention among all the good and useful things in our life. To focus our attention resolutely on God who is bountiful. And that should feel impractical to you. Because this is where our faith comes in. If we can live our life perfectly reasonably as if there is not a bountiful God who exists, what good are we to our world? Jesus says, focus your first and your best attention on this God who is bountiful. Start by focusing your first and your best attention on me. There are a great deal of good and useful things that you read. There are a great deal, great number of good and useful things that you do. There are a great number of good and useful things that you learn. But focus your best attention on my words, on what I do. Learn from me. Apprentice yourself to me. I wonder when Jesus talks about seeking the kingdom of God, if that feels a little amorphous. And that's good. Learn what he means. Go back and read the Gospels. Go back and read all the scriptures. They all testify to Jesus Christ and to the God revealed in Jesus Christ. Learn from the great masters. One of our great saints, a man named Dallas Willard, who was a professor at USC, wonderful writer in spiritual disciplines and spiritual life, just went to be with the Lord this week. He has fantastic writings in the divine conspiracy and his other writings on what it is to seek this God, to apprentice ourselves to Jesus, to look to God and learn of this kingdom. And as we do that, as we dedicate our attention, our full attention to what is best and most useful in Jesus Christ, life changes. We also, in the, in the last uh, couple of weeks, had a series of forgiveness seminars, and there's a fellow who spoke at them called Fred Luskin. 
And Luskin pointed out that we are a people who naturally complain. We go dark-eyed. We are people who, who naturally complain, and complaining is actually just worry spoken out loud and directed at a person or thing. We complain for our survival. We complain for our vigilance. And part of the reason we need to stay vigilant for our survival is we forget there's a God who is more vigilant than we are for our good and our eternal good, who's done everything he needs to do to secure us, body and soul, for all of eternity through the resurrection. And so Luskin challenged us to pay close attention to focus our words on thanksgiving, on praise, on kindness, on what is good, to breathe deeply and focus on these things. And I want to give you that challenge this week, to seek this God who is bountiful, that when you start to complain, that when you start to worry, that when you start to go to less good and, and less useful things, to praise, to thank God, to look for kindness, to give God your full attention in prayer and then live fully. And to see that these very real cares, they're very real cares, and God cares about them. We can take them to God in prayer, and it so deepens and widens our knowledge and experience of God to entrust everything to God in prayer. Seek first, search after, pay close attention, maintain a flow of attention on who God is in Jesus Christ in an environment where you're surrounded by millions of similar things that are good and useful. And the second thing that Jesus says, and God's righteousness. Why does Jesus add that? I mean, we're in a sermon here where the whole thing is preaching against self-righteousness and hypocrisy, isn't it? Well, just quickly, let me remind you that righteousness means right relationship with God and other people. That our material things can put our lives back in right relationship. And when we give, when we give generously to God's purposes in the world, then we work on restoring right relationship between God and others. I mean, you've noticed that Jesus says, and all these things will be added as well, which means that we should expect that we have things that we need to steward. Many of us in this room have quite a bit that we steward that can be used for the ends of the kingdom of God and for right relationship. Expect that these things will be added, Jesus says. Read up, listen to what I say about money and the kingdom and invest in eternal things. Because if you seek anyone other than a bountiful God who loves to give to you, you will stop worrying about what you don't have and start worrying about what you do have. But to give in joyful and generous stewardship of all that God has given makes God's kingdom tangible for others. Giving so that there are malaria nets in Africa through World Vision so that mothers in that nation do not have to worry about watching their children die, and they're dying by the thousands to this disease, is a tangible extension of the righteous kingdom of God in the world. Our partnership as a, as a community with, with ministries like SCOPE, which is our partnership between the University of Washington and the Coptic Church in Ethiopia and University Presbyterian Church, working against HIV and AIDS in Ethiopia, and, and the latest focus is on women who are pregnant, who are HIV positive, and we, we can prevent, there's the medical care to prevent their children from being born HIV positive if they will be tested and receive care. And, and partnerships like that through Outreach with Scope are making tangible, righteously, the kingdom of God in the world. Our, our university food bank here in the U District 
that, that is actually seeking. The, did you know? This is wonderful. They're going to have a more permanent facility. There's, a, uh, there's an open house for that next Sunday in the afternoon. You can look it up. They're going to have a more permanent facility here in the university district so that mothers can feed their children, so that people can have food, so that we can work with youth who do not have mothers and who are out on the street and who are trying to transition off. This is making tangible. This is, this is tangible righteousness of the kingdom of God. And it starts, all this tangible care starts with paying attention to the God who is bountiful and provides and to the people whom that God who is bountiful and provides for is paying attention to. This is a joyful endeavor. Jesus gives us a final tagline. I love this. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. I think it was Nietzsche who said that only joy wants deep, deep eternity. And the German theologian Helmut Tillich added that it's not only joy that wants deep, deep eternity, but also anxiety and care can go on increasing endlessly. We've been created for hope. We've been created to look to the future. Anxiety, this spiritual attention disorder, looks to the future and worries about all that cannot be controlled. But faith in a God who is bountiful, who loves us bountifully, entrusting ourselves to that God, begins to grow this joy that lasts on and that wants a deep, deep eternity. So as we continue worship, Joanne is going to, to play for us uh, an introduction to the hymn that we're singing, Give Thanks. We're going to start this morning to focus our attention on this bountiful God amidst everything else that is good and useful. To focus our attention on this bountiful God. And Joanne's going to play for a full minute before we start to sing. So that you have a chance to focus attention, to give thanks, to entrust to God all your cares. And then we'll sing. And then there's a chance after we stop singing to once again entrust all your cares to this bountiful God revealed in Jesus Christ. As we look forward to the joy of an eternal and tangible kingdom. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.